I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. We are coming to you from WPFW Jazz and Justice Radio in Washington, D.C. We are listener-supported radio, and uh, we greatly appreciate your support. In fact, we more than appreciate it. We, we almost require it. We, uh, we really do need those who listen to this station and to this program to make contributions to WPFW. And you can do so by going to the pledge line, which is 202588. 9739 or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate and there you can make a one-time donation you can become a sustaining member of the station by giving uh, permission to to uh, draw money from your credit card or your checking account on a, on a monthly basis and there you can do it at, a, at a, a modest amount per month because that's money that we can count on and, and that really works uh, for budgeting purposes but again, we are listener-supported radio, and we do, we do count on your uh, contributions to this, to this fine station. And of course, I greatly appreciate the fact that WBFW is giving me this space and this time to, to speak to the Washington, D.C. audience and those who listen online or those who perhaps catch the show on my, uh, on, on, on my podcast. I, I put these programs up as a podcast. And you can find them by going to Resistance Radio with John Kane podcast, and you can find that on any of, any of your 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 favorite podcast platforms. If you didn't catch the show on Monday, I did do a special Indigenous Peoples Day uh, program, and again, I want to thank the folks at WPFW for accommodating me and letting me uh, do a show on on a special day on a day that I'm not normally on the schedule. So I, I do appreciate that, and I covered a lot of ground, and I. I covered you know a certain amount of the irony in a, uh, doing a program in a city that bears some of Christopher Columbus's namesake, District of Columbia, and sharing that holiday between Indigenous Peoples Day and uh, and Columbus Day. One of the th- among the things that I got back, you know, a lot of feedback, and because I put a lot of stuff out, you know, during this this week and this time of year, I've got a couple of good YouTube videos that you can find on Let's Talk Native TV. That's my YouTube channel. But I get some of the feedback that says, well, you know, it's easy to call down uh, Christopher Columbus for, you know, by today's standards. And what about all the good that he did and that kind of stuff? You know, and it, and it got me to thinking that it's probably high time that we do a little inventory. And, and, and it, this isn't even just about Columbus. This is about colonization. This is about the doctrine of Christian discovery that got born out of Columbus's voyages and, and, uh, and the seizing of land and uh, and human beings for the slave trade out of Africa by, by the European colonizers. Look, we're in a strange time right now. And, and I think we have, to, we have to own a little bit of the strife that the world is experiencing and that the United States is experiencing 
and give it its give it its proper you know um, attribution. So let's let's talk about it. I mean, what do we got going on here? Well, we've got climate change issues, and I know there's a whole lot of people who are still in in denial. But but how do you own that? Well, I'll tell you how you own that. Colonization is a huge part of what has affected the planet. I mean, look, a couple of weeks ago when um, uh, when that hurricane rips through Florida, it just wiped out the stuff that man built. The, the, all of the damage assessments has to do with, with assessing all the stuff that man built. Not that nature constructed. Oh, yeah, I mean, shorelines change and, you know, uh, dunes, they, they get wiped out. And, you know, and some animals are affected by, you know, by, by storms. But the vast majority uh, of animals, human beings and, and animals who were uh, impacted by this are the ones who are locked in houses, the ones who, 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 who don't know enough to come out of the rain, basically. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss the, any of the pain and suffering that came, went along with, um, with, a, with a hurricane. But these increased severity of storms is directly related to climate change. And why is climate change? Well, Industrial Revolution, the constant quest for money, the constant quest for increasing the, um, you know, expanding economies. I mean, we, we talk about economic growth on a continuous basis. Every country assesses its economic growth. Well, the planet's not getting any bigger. And I got to tell you, places like the United States and, and of course, all of the European countries, uh, uh, the United Kingdom in particular as well, you know, anytime they needed to expand their economy, they just took something from somebody else. They took land. They took slaves. They took, you know, again, all of this expansion, all this colonization, that's how they, they built their, their wonderful economies and their, their extravagant cultures and all of that other stuff. And we can't, we, we can't dismiss that. So when, when somebody wants to say, yeah, but what about the good stuff that Columbus did? Well, I don't know about the good stuff. I mean, did he really usher in um, all of the colonization in the Western Hemisphere? Yeah, he probably played a role in that because of his, his own lack of understanding about the size of the planet and, uh, and about, frankly, about being a navigator, all of that stuff. I mean, this isn't a guy who landed on, in the Western Hemisphere on purpose. In fact, he went to the grave believing he had hit the easternmost islands of, the, of Indonesia, the, the East Indies, because he didn't know any better, because he wasn't that skilled a navigator. And he, could, and he certainly couldn't understand you know, anything about uh, people he, he, he knew nothing about. But he had no problem enslaving people or uh, punishing people or committing all kinds of atrocities. And you can't just put that stuff and say that, well, that's... You know, you gotta you, you gotta measure that with a time, do you? I mean, much of that same the, that same activity continues today, or continued for hundreds and hundreds of years, and impacted by all of this expansion, by all of this development, all of this progress, all of these great things that people want to attribute to, whether you're talking about the United Kingdom or whether you're talking about the, the United States. How great the country is, how great America is. God blessed America. Well, again, let's do some inventory. The, the, the planet is on the brink of major climate catastrophes because of, you know, and I, I can attribute some of that to Christopher Columbus. I'm not going to blame him solely, obviously. 
There's been a whole lot of other greedy people besides Christopher Columbus that, are, that have been responsible for, for the climate disasters that we're facing today. But the social unrest, racism, I'm going to give some of that credit back to Christopher Columbus as well. I mean, we are experiencing some of the most extreme examples and rhetoric and responses to racism in, in my lifetime. And look, I, I, I'm, born, I'm born at the tail end of the 50s here. But for all of that racism that, you know, all of that, the civil rights movement and all that stuff that we, you know, that, you know, that the United States almost wants to pride itself over, we're, we're, we're kind of reaching an all-time low again. And it's not just Donald Trump's fault. I'm sure he may have, you know, enabled racists to come out from underneath the, out of the closet, I guess. But the racism has been there. And, and look, as Native people, we experience racism in different ways. And I talked about that. I talked about residential schools, missing and murdering indigenous women. You know, the, uh, the poverty that we ex experience, not because we're in the ghettos of the city, but because, because of the lands that were taken from us and what we're left with. But the social unrest, and it's not just in the United States. This is, we're, we see these racial tensions and these racial divides all over the, all over the world. So it, and that is a product of enslaving, you know, specific uh, people, treating people as animals. And that's a legacy that just doesn't go away. I mean, look, United States can brag, oh, yeah, we abolished slavery in, in the 1860s. Did you? Did you? Really? And racism went along with it, uh, went away with it? No, not even close. And again, I talked a couple of weeks ago about for all of the things that the United States wants to claim that they, that they persevered through as, as a nation and how they grew and how they improved, we had 150 years of, of, the, of the United States and Canada taking children from Native people to force assimilation upon us, indoctrination upon us. Went through, you know, the Civil War, the end of slavery, um, uh, women's suffrage. I mean, I, I went through all of that. But all of that stuff never changed how Native people were treated. But, but again, I'm not even making this about us. I'm just saying, look at the world as it exists today and, and how it got there. Let's not stop with, with social. We've got, we still have incredible gender inequality. We see the, the, the fighting going on um, in Iran right now uh, over the oppression of women. But the United States can't say that they've, they've solved that problem. Women still make a fraction of what men, men make doing the same jobs. Women suffer incredible disadvantages because, because of their gender, because of sexism that exists in the United States. And I'm talking more than me too. I'm talking about any number of things. And of course, again, Native women, missing and murdered indigenous women. And it's not just women, it's girls, it's, it's you know, it, uh, um, it's, it's non-binary, uh, you know, uh, people of, of color. But it's primarily the, the misogyny uh, over women that, that causes this violence towards women. I mean, along with what came from Europe was not just this idea of, of, of enslaving people, taking what they want, but the rape culture came along with it. And we're not, we're, we're not done with that yet either. We see it every day. We, you know, every day we see another politician that goes down, and that's the ones who, who get exposed for it. Or we see another abusive you know, professional athlete doing something to, uh, to women. Over and over again, we see it over uh, celebrities, Hollywood celebrities, all of it. We, we see it 
So we, we ain't fixed that yet. And that is born out of that same, look, I, I've said it before, among the, the slave ships that, uh, that Columbus brought back to Spain from the Western Hemisphere were, were, were little girls. And I say little girls, nine or 10 years old. And I had somebody say, yeah, but there's no evidence that they were being uh, enslaved for, uh, you know, as sex slaves. Well, look, one of the things that was clear that among the things that, uh, um, that Columbus rewarded his, um, his crew with was women. I mean, it, it, there's a well-documented um, uh, description of, of somebody who was given a young girl by the admiral uh, and, how, and how he had to beat the hell out of her to get her to submit. And that's their words. We, th that's not us recounting that story. That's their story written in their own hand. So we know the misogyny and the rape culture that came with Columbus that still exists today. A Native woman is four times more likely to be sexually assaulted than, than anybody else uh, in the United States. I mean, that still exists today. Um, well, I talked about racism, talk about climate, talk about uh, political unrest. Uh, have we seen th the level of bipartisan fighting and bickering? And, you know, and look, it isn't just parties. This isn't just the Democrats and the Republicans. This is, you know, fascism and socialism, you know, at least from an ideological standpoint. But both wings of this, uh, of this U.S. political system are still... <laughs> They still, it doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're uh, right or left, there's still racism on both sides of that thing. But the political unrest, and that, that too is not just here in the United States. That is, that's something that's happening globally. We see, uh, you know, a near fascist person being elected in, in Italy. We see movements all over, conservative versus liberals, all over, the, all over the globe, you know, becoming more and more at odds with each other. They're not working together and, and solving the differences in their ideology. No, it's getting more and more testy, getting more and more violent in many ways. So the political unrest is something that, again, that is born out of some of the extreme views that are held, along with racism and misogyny and all that other stuff. And then, and then the, the, the counter of that are those who, who want to stand up for these principles but don't really want to stand up strongly enough to, to make any changes. So, again... When you look at where the United States is today, and I'm not done yet, let's not forget about um, where, where, uh, where everything is with global conflicts. I mean, the United States wanted to be the world, the dominant you know, country of the world, the, the, the world's only superpower. Well, how's that working out? It's the only country that dropped atomic bombs on, on, another, uh, on an enemy. The United States. And they want to be the, the, the world leader, the global leader in, in all that is righteous. Well, not so much. And it isn't working out very well. The United States, you know, has failed miserably in multiple conflicts, including Korea and Vietnam, and, you know, uh, all of this Mideast stuff that they've been involved in. It was a debacle that, uh, that they were involved in with, uh, with Afghanistan and, and, and Iraq. And, and so they aren't the world leader. And in fact, you know, these organizations like the United Nations seem to be completely inept. So the world is on the brink of, of many, many um, you know, conflicts. And I'm not just talking about whatever the hysteria is over Russia and Ukraine. That's just one example. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm not dismissing it. But I mean, this is where we are on the brink. The United States is looking at both Russia and China as these incredible adversaries. And 
you know, they, they come out of an era where they believe that they were the superpower. Well, not so much anymore. Because all the United States did was, was puff its chest with its military. A military that, that is no more effective than, I mean, the United States is no more effective in, in, in their military actions than Russia is trying to take over, over Ukraine. I mean, so this is where we're at, folks. And of course, I haven't even touched on where the economic strife, because all this stuff gets related to the economy, global conflicts, racism, uh, climate change. We're, I mean, I don't know, is, is um, the United States on the, on the brink of an economic collapse? Well, maybe not. Everybody can say, well, it's just cyclical. Well, it ain't a good part of the cycle, folks, let's be honest. I, you know, people are really, really worried about where they're going to be. And of course, the United States, I mean, you've got to go back to the Depression before the United States really um, where, was at a place where they, they suffered like much of the other world is suffering on a daily basis. And, and look, we want to talk about economic crisis. As Native people, we've lived below the poverty line you know, ever since white people showed up. So there's a part of me as a Native person, and I'm not gloating over all of this conflict, but there's a part of me that says, well, that's you. That's not, and it's on you. We're going to do everything we can to, to protect ourselves. And in fact, there's a certain part of me that says, man, I hope the United States gets so wrapped up in all of their other problems that they caused. And the United States is a major cause of all of this. And, and, and they're the nations that, they, that preceded them. But they're a major cause of these things. So while the United States is trying to put out those fires, I'm hoping that we as Native people, we can, we can kind of muster, you know, muster things together and, and, uh, and, and rebuild. Because our biggest issue is, you know, people talk about reparations for, you know, for, uh, for descendants of slaves and that kind of stuff. I'm just saying leave us alone. <laughs> I mean, the Seneca Nation just needed to keep the $2 billion that New York State squeezed out of them over the last 20 years. That would have been huge for their, for, for their people. And I hate to just put a dollar and cents to it, but that's the bottom line. And, and I see a lot of Native people who just think, no, we, we just got to play ball with these guys. Well, we got to look at what their, what, what, what their game is and try to decide whether we really fit into it or not. I won't vote in their elections. I won't participate in their, in, their, in their political process. I'll acknowledge it. I'll interact with it. And of course, I have to. But I'm not going to run for their offices. I'm not going to vote for their, uh, you know, vote for their candidate. I'm not going to let them turn forced assimilation into voluntary assimilation. Not going to do it. I won't serve in the military. And I'm sure as hell, I'm not going to pray in their churches. Now, it doesn't mean I got to hate people because I don't. But I don't have to voluntarily push myself or indoctrinate myself to this so-called dominant culture. A dominant culture that's in trouble. So let's, let's be honest. It's, it's in trouble, and they're in trouble because of their history. The problems we see today in the United States and many other places all has to do with the history that got them here. The, nobody did this to the United States. The United States did this themselves. They are the biggest contributor to... Uh, you know, to CO2 and, uh, and, and wiping out much of the, the ozone layer and, and, and contributing to climate change. The United States is. Why? Because they were in the industrial power, right? All of the advances that the United States has, has achieved, you know, to, to promote industrialization. Well, how's that working out? How, how's that working out for everybody? And look, I realize that man is the culprit here. 
colonization is the vehicle that man has done all of these harmful things. But man's not the only victim uh, of, of these things. Obviously, though, all of, all of us people, indigenous people, who've been the victims of colonization have paid a huge price. But, but so has, uh, I mean, there are species that are, that are extinct today because of, the United, because of the United States and because of colonization. We don't know how bad things are going to get from a climate, uh, a climate standpoint. We don't. I mean, we don't know what it's going to be like when Florida's underwater, when, when New York City is underwater, all of Long Island is underwater, much of the East Coast gets, uh, you know, gets inundated. We don't know what, what that's going to mean to the United States economically, politically. We know how the United States has bailed itself out every other time. Well, we're just going to take more property. We're going to, we're going to um, you know, we're, we're going to force labor. We're going to, um, you know, draft people into our military. But if they do all kinds of things where force is, is the solution. Taking is the solution. Well, that's probably not going to work anymore. I mean, for, for one thing, the United States is being held accountable by other nations now. And, and even if they aren't being held accountable by other nations, the, the, as they say, the chickens have come home to roost. At some point, you can't keep consuming and taking and not reach an end of what's, what's, what's takeable, what's consumable. I mean, at some point, the crash comes. And I'm not even talking about the, the Great Depression in the United States or, or, and that affected other places in the world. I think that might not even be close to what's going to happen coming, before, coming forward. So... When I hear somebody says, yeah, well, it's easy to criticize uh, Columbus for the atrocities, but uh, look at the good that came out of it. I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it. Somebody's going to somebody's gonna have to explain that to me. Because if you think the great United States is the good that came from Columbus, then you better do some inventory. You better do some inventory. And look, I know this messaging is tough, and I'm, and I'm delivering this <laughs> program in the, in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., on WPFW Jazz and Justice Radio. But I've got to tell you, you know, I'm saying these things because there aren't enough people saying them. And, you know, and look, I realize that what, I mean, some of what I'm saying may seem extreme, but you know what? Uh, look at it yourselves. But the idea that... that WPFW has given me a platform to do this stuff. I mean, look, I've got to do, do some lifting back. We're, we are in our fall uh, fund drive, and we are listener-supported radio. Um, we do have a premium, uh, and, and I don't usually use that. I don't usually use that expression, but we do have an offering, put it that way, for those who are willing to contribute to, uh, to WPFW. And it is, it's called their Indigenous People's Day PAC, and it's the, it's the great voices of John Trudell, Dennis Banks, Russell Means, and Winona LaDuke. So... For a $100 contribution to this program, to this uh, radio station, um, we'll send you uh, an audio CD where you can hear some of the, the greatest speeches from these guys. And look, John, Dennis, and Russell are no longer uh, alive. So these, are the, you know, these recordings become these historical documents. So um, you know, by all means, this is something that, that's probably worth listening to. I know you get to listen to me, right? <laughs> But sometimes hearing other voices saying some of the same things but a different way. Look, we all have different perspectives. We have different ways of delivering, you know, some of these tough messages. You know, and the, and the thing is, 
a lot of the things that I say and a lot of the things that these guys say, we've been saying it for a long time. And now people are starting to say, you know what? I think they warned us about this stuff. So perhaps hearing some of these voices will help to affect change. And I look, I don't know how, mu how much change is needed to, to fix what's broken. And I don't even like, you know, I say that at times. I don't think the system is broken. This is the way it was designed. The idea of taking from other people, that's what the doctrine of Christian discovery was all about. It was about enriching the, the Christian nations of Europe. Well, those Christian nations of Europe have, have pretty much worn out their welcome every place. And, and in fact, they, they don't even have the, you know, the, the solid um, anything of value from their so-called Christian uh, values uh, to, to see them through any here, any place here. Because it's because colonization has made such a mess. And the doctrine of Christian discovery has been the vehicle that basically has been codified in the law in the United States and other places. And they used this heaven on earth, you know, validation that, that the Vatican, the Pope, and Rome represented as permission to do everything from enslave people to murder people and to take everything. Well, there, for one thing, the planet's got limited resources. You can't keep taking um, and claiming that, that you're just taking something that nobody else was using, which has always been the argument, right? That's what, they, you know, that's what Columbus made it sound like when he, when he landed, the land was there for him to take. That, that, you know, it was God that gave it to him, essentially. Well, and that's, that's what the doctrine of Christian discovery is all about. And that's what westward expansion, manifest destiny, they even called it, they called it white man's burden. And when they reached the Pacific Ocean, they kept going. They went to Hawaii. They went to Alaska. They went you know, to Guam. They, they uh, took over Puerto Rico. They, they, they expanded as far as their military could, uh, could support their expansion. Now, I don't, military, military ain't going to get it done. I mean, and, and that whole belief that used to be, well, war is good for the economy. Yeah, well, how's that working out? Show me one country that is benefiting economically from war. Russia? I don't think so. Ukraine? I don't think so. China is the, uh, is the, is the only country that manages to do everything it needs to do or, or desires to do. And I, I don't, I'm not agreeing with China, but do it without the threat of military force all the time. I'm not saying it's not there, and I'm not saying it won't come. But they've done everything with, with dollars now. Investments, as they call them. So, look, I look at where we are right now. And, you know, having the opportunity to deliver this message in Washington, D.C., on WPFW, is an opportunity for me to offer it from a Native perspective. No, look, I know there's economists that'll say some of this, that, the same thing. I know there, there are other environmentalists that'll say some of the same thing. But this is resistance radio. I'm just a guy who lives on a Native territory. I mean, I, I, I hate to use the word reservation, but, you know... I'm a grandfather, I'm a father, I'm a community member. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, you know, some scholar. <laughs> and I'm not a, a native politician. I'm an activist. But my activism is, is, is driven by my observation. So having the opportunity to have a microphone and a place to broadcast is something that I'm, that I'm really grateful to. I'm grateful to WBAI in New York City and to WPFW in Washington, D.C. But 
The station is, is again, it's listener-supported radio. We need your support. Like I said, we do have the Indigenous Peoples Day pack for a $100 donation. Uh, we'd be happy to send you uh, this CD with John Trudell, Dennis Banks, Russell Means, and Wynonna LaDuke. Um, again, go to the pledge line, ask the op operator about the Indigenous Day, um, uh, Indigenous Peoples Day pack. Um, you go to the, the pledge line, it's 202-588-9739, or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Uh, I'd greatly appreciate it. Look, and let, let me be clear here. Any donations to the station, they don't come to me. I'm not a paid producer. I view the opportunity that, that WPFW gives me to allow a native voice to reach people that we would never reach otherwise. Look, one of the things that, that I've experienced as I've dealt with a lot of native issues over the years, oftentimes the media says, well, we don't have anybody that we can talk to. Well, you can talk to me. Am I an elected official? No. Am I a, a chief? No. But if you want to listen to a native voice who uses his own experience, my own knowledge of history, my experienced history, and my learned history, to formulate an opinion and a view, then that's what I'm giving you. And I'm being honest. I, 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 my opinions are based on the facts as I know them, and they are facts. They aren't not. I'm not just grabbing other people's opinions and building, you know, you know, building fluff on top of fluff. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Any of the stuff that I'm talking about, the stuff that worries me in the world, I'm not pitching it out there as some grand, you know, Armageddon conspiracy. No. Um, I don't know where all this stuff goes. I don't know where the potential for global conflict goes. I don't know where climate change is going to go. Um, but I know it's problem. It's problematic for everybody. And as Native people who have been experiencing some of the worst effects of poverty because of colonization, who have experienced some of the worst effects of climate change because of the remote and de desolate places we've been pushed off to, um, some of the worst effects of, of misogyny and the rape culture of, the, of, uh, of Europeans and the United States. We've, we've experienced it all. So now we're seeing other people start to struggle with it. And I know the rich buffer themselves pretty well. The aristocracies of the world, they buffer themselves pretty well. But, you know, even they will be affected by this at some point. So I'm glad to be here on WPFW um, having this conversation uh, again, let me give the, the pledge line again. It's, it's 202-588-9739. That's the number to call to make a donation of any size. You can ask for the Indigenous People's Day pack for a $100 donation or make a donation of any size. Look, I know there are people who struggled coming out of the, the COVID pandemic. Um, but there's also a bunch, of, a bunch of people who made a bunch of money out of that deal, too. <laughs> and, and, and that's becoming painfully obvious. If you've got the resources to support this kind of messaging, this kind of station, Jazz and Justice Radio, then make your contribution. Maybe, maybe you've got far more than $100 to contribute. And I hope some of you do. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever had anybody make a thousand. Well, I know I have on, in WBAI, but I don't know if I've ever had anybody here make a thousand dollar donation during the course of uh, one of my shows here in WPFW. But I know there's people in Washington, D.C. I know there are lobbyists and lawyers who've made lots of money off of Native people. Who, could, who, who certainly could put up a thousand bucks. But look, if that's a big nut for you to crack, then, then $10 a month. Become a sustaining member of the station. Again, 
Go to 202-588-9739 or wpfwdc.org slash donate. Become a monthly sustaining member. You can, you can do $5 a month, $10 a month. If you're already doing $10 a month, make it 15 And that will support this radio station. And look, these are great markets that some of the Pacifica stations are in. WBI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C. But we can't just assume that because they're good markets that, that, um, that people are just going to be generous and donate. So that's why we have to ask. So we try not to not do a program, and, and I am doing a program this week, even though we're, we are in a fun drive. But I hope that you will, you know, accommodate me enough to hear my, my pleas for donations uh, as I'm talking about some of these issues. So, um, look, we came out of this, uh, <laughs> this shared holiday on Monday. And that was problematic. I mean, I, and I did a couple of events, and obviously I was able to do a show here on WPFW that you can check out in the WPFW archives or go to Resistance Radio, uh, my Resistance, Resistance Radio podcast. Um, but I also, I went, I traveled to Rochester, and I spoke out there. Now, Rochester has had officially proclaimed, I mean, there have been people celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day for, um, for quite a few years here. Some, some, you know, go back as far as a decade or more. Um, but now certain cities, and Rochester, New York is one of them, that is no longer commemorating the, the second Monday of October as Columbus Day, but they're doing it as, as Indigenous Peoples Day. Now, one of the smart things that some places have done, including Rochester, is they made a, an Italian-American Heritage Day the week before Indigenous Peoples Day. Because, I mean, look, one of the arguments that, that we always get about Columbus Day is, well, you know, it's, we celebrate it to honor... Uh, Italian-Americans. Well, Columbus has nothing to do with Italian-Americans. Columbus never even stepped foot in North America. And he wasn't Italian. He was genuine. He was from Genoa, which, you know, isn't really, I mean, it's part of the the nation that is now Italy, but it is not the bastion of what most people would regard as Italian culture. Columbus had nothing to do with imprinting any kind of Italian culture in, in America. He sailed for Spain. He, w- he led Spanish troops, not, not some sort of you know, um, establishment of, a, of Italian culture in, uh, in the Western Hemisphere, and, and certainly not in North America. So any, any Italian-American who are the, 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 the descendants of immigrants who came to, from Italy during, you know, during the, the Depression and through, you know, through that, that flood of migrants that came through Ellis Island, None of you have anything to do with Christopher Columbus. Look, it would make more sense to honor Frank Sinatra than, uh, than Christopher Columbus. And there are lots of Italian um, uh, heroes, I guess, in, in, throughout history that would be much more suited for, for celebrating than, than Christopher Columbus. And, and I'm not even going—I mean, obviously, the, some of the obvious ones are Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, but there's a, there's a whole number of people— um, I, mean, uh, I think the guy who did uh, who invented radio was Italian. Um, so I mean, look, we uh, we oftentimes get into this because of it being a shared holiday. We have to spend as much time talking about Columbus as, uh, or more time talking about Columbus than we do um, promoting uh, or celebrating Indigenous people. So we hopefully we, we get to that place that when we get to this day, and I'm not a big one on holidays, but 
because it is there, I mean, I, I, I'm going to always take the opportunity to speak about Native issues. Unfortunately, we have most of the issues that I have to talk about are not positive. I mean, I can talk about our culture, but look, if I'm talking to people in New York City and Washington, D.C., I don't really need to be promoting my culture to you. I mean, I don't mind talking about it, but I'm, we're still in a culture clash. We're still battling for our identities. We're still battling for our autonomy and our lands and, our, and, and frankly, struggling with poverty. Poverty is now starting to you know, hit other people, white people. Like, black people have been struggling economically from, from slave days to, you know, to, to today. Well, we've struggled from, the, from, the, uh, you know, from the, the onset of colonization because of lands being ripped away, because of our population being decimated, 150 years of residential schools. We're, we're, we're struggling. We found a few things that we could you know, get a toehold with, like gaming or tobacco sales or fuel sales, and we got to fight the, the federal government and the state government every step along the way. And of course, we also are trying to defend not just our lands, but much of the planet. We still maintain a responsibility to protect the land, to be stewards of the land. And what happens? We get arrested. We get locked up. We get set up. Native people are, are imprisoned at a pretty high rate for our activism. And look, it's what we do. It's part of who we are. I mean, we have this, this whole concept. In fact, one of the, the um, interestingly enough, one of the themes of this fall fund drive is ensuring that WPFW remains um, on the air for the next seven generations. Seven generations is a very Haudenosaunee but it's even more broadly um, native than that. There are many cultures that, that you talk about seven generations or the seventh generation. That, that number seven seems to be pretty reoccurring in, in many native cultures. But for us as Haudenosaunee, the whole idea is that we have an obligation not just to, the, to, our, next, to our kids and our grandkids and the, and the next you know, three, four, five generations, the seventh generation, that generation that we will probably never see. So we have an obligation to those unborn faces. That they'll be our descendants. They will be our relatives. They will, build, they will be our children, essentially. But we'll never see them because they'll be seven generations down the line. But we have an obligation to do the right thing. One of the things that with WPFW, they're saying, look, this station has been here for a long time. But we're not guaranteed anything. And as Native people, we're not guaranteed existence in the future. Look, that, that was never the plan. We weren't supposed to be here. And anybody who thinks that having a station like Jazz and Justice Radio was a plan, that, that somehow this is like a right or an entitlement, no, it's a fight. It's a fight to exist. I, it's a fight to exist as Native people. And it's also a fight to exist as a station that stands for justice, Jazz and Justice Radio. So again... I want to remind people to go to the pledge lines. It's 202-588-9739 or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Again, we do have a, um, an offering. We do have a gift that we'd like to send you out, send out to you for, for a, specifically for a $100 donation. And you can donate any size. Look, you can do more, more than that and we'll send you the, we'll send you the, the CD. But, uh, and if, but if you can't, look, make what, uh, whatever size donation you can. 
But if you if you are willing to make a hundred dollar donation or more, we'll send you a CD that has the great voices of John Trudell, Dennis Banks, Russell Means, and Winona LaDuke on it. I don't need to send send you a CD with my voice on. I'm here on the station every week, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do that. So support the station. So because you can't take us for granted. You can't assume we're always going to be here. Part of the reason that I fight for native issues so strongly is because I can't assume that out of the goodness of somebody's heart, we're just going to be allowed to live in peace. Like I said, as I'm, as I'm recounting all of these crises that, that face the United States and the world right now, climate change, uh, social unrest, gender um, inequity, political strife and unrest, global conflicts, and the economies, I... <laughs> I'm just saying, I hope that some of the powers that be will get, become a little bit more preoccupied with some of their own self-preservation so we can catch a break here. So we can, have, we can catch our breath and maybe we can start to build something. Look, I'm not saying as Native people we have answers to all this stuff. We obviously were doing all right before we all got here. <laughs> um, I, I once said, uh, uh, I don't like what you've done with the place. No, I don't. Not at all. And I don't mean just our homelands. I look at the condition of the world. I mean, some of what India is going through and Pakistan is going through, what Africa has struggled with, all of those, those places that people think are so terrible, you know, are, are having so many problems. Well, those problems are caused by colonization. They're caused by white people. Let, let's be honest. Let's, let's break it down. Much of what Native people face in this country all of the lists that we are the top of that you don't want to be on, suicide, teen pregnancy, you know, poverty, uh, life expectancy, death by cop, all of that is caused by policy. And some of it's law, some of it's um, embedded practices. I mean, most, it's all embedded with racism. You know, I've talked about this before, but when people talk about critical race theory, Critical race theory is supposed to be an analysis of the intersection of racism and public policy. Well, there's no greater examples than that of, of victims of that than Native people. And I'm not saying that, that other people have not, I mean, they certainly have been victims. Black people have clearly been victims of, of this idea of critical race theory. But the laws that I'm talking about mention us by name. They take from us. They take away autonomy. The, the Indian uh, Citizenship Act, that essentially is a war crime. That it's called denationalization. Stripping away somebody's national character and then imposing yours upon us. Yeah, 1924. The Indian Reorganization Act, 1934, that's stripping away our governing systems, defining us as a people subordinate to you. That's, that's what the law said. The Civilization Act, that's in the early 1800s. That's what you built residential schools off of. This idea of forced assimilation and indoctrination, kill the Indian, save the man. You had a law that enabled you to do that. And, and I talk about modern laws, like, like the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act. You took our own industries that, that we were creating on our territories, and you took control away from us. And you gave some of it to the state, which are oftentimes our biggest nemesis that, that, we, that we face. Sometimes, most times, it's worse 
our, we have a bigger problem with the states than we do with the federal government. I realize that it's a toss-up most of the time. But this is the reality. So as I see all of these problem areas becoming bigger and bigger problems for the promised land, <laughs> the United States, you know, that country that God blessed so thoroughly, well, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not wishing ill upon the United States or, or any uh, Americans specifically. I'm not. But as you start to feel the effects of the very policies that hit us first, maybe we can get your breath a little bit. And maybe a certain level of understanding will come out of this stuff. I mean, it's hard for me to be optimistic because oftentimes the, this kind of strife does not open up people's eyes. It closes them. It makes them more angry, more desperate, more violent, more racist. And, and that's, and unfortunately, that's what we've seen time and time again. I don't know when the level heads prevail, but I say as, as a native person and as native people, we need to keep our heads about us. Even as some of, that, that, some of those terrible things are starting to impact other people the way we have been impacted. We've got to keep level heads. And perhaps, just perhaps, we can be the example that others need to, to adopt and other, others need to see. I mean, that's my hope. I'm not hoping for all this calamity. I mean, it, I, I got nothing to do with it. Honestly, I didn't make any of this stuff happen. You all did that. But maybe we do have some answers for it. But I'll tell you, some lives are going to change. And they're going to change... It's going to get worse before it gets better. We know that about climate change. I mean, everybody says, oh, we're going to go out, we're, we're going to run this thing off a cliff. Well, I think we're off that cliff. We just don't know how far the fall is yet. You know, it's, it's, it's almost ironic that, you know, although we were the first ones to be impacted by areas that were not, not that arable, and, you know, they're not, not that fertile, and any time they found anything of value like oil or uranium on our lands, that got ripped away. <laughs> but many of our territories are not the lowlands. I can't say that for all people. Some of the first victims of climate change, first climate change um, migrants or, or, or victims, I guess, were some of the ones who got flooded out in the Gulf of Mexico, the Cushadas. They lost their lands. It, it literally got taken up between... All of the all of the, the canal systems and, and all of the, the you know the, the progress that was you know advanced in the Gulf of Mexico and rising sea levels, their lands are essentially gone. And we're gonna see more and more of that. And unfortunately, it is gonna be indigenous peoples in some of those South Pacific islands that are gonna you know, are really gonna feel the effects of what the rest of the world has done. I mean, hell, the rest of the world was using their lands for target practice with their nuclear weapons for crying out loud. And now with you know the all the ice sheets that have been you know falling in the in, in the ocean and melting, all the, the the receding glaciers, the rising sea levels, there's a lot of trouble coming. And we're not gonna have the answers for everybody. But I think if we as indigenous people, if we as native people, can bring forward some of our customs and traditions, some of that, that stuff that, that really shaped our 
our true identities. And if we can push away some of that indoctrination, some of that assimilation. You know, I, I say this all the time. I'm not trying to overthrow the United States or suggesting that, you know, that you know, my, my families need to do, it, to do it to Canada or the state or anything else. I'm saying we need to untangle ourselves. We need to unwrap ourselves, unravel the systems of oppression that, that have been cast upon us. We need to live our lives free of the influences of state and uh, uh, federal and, or provincial or federal policies and politics. The more we can demonstrate a life that, that separates us, both from needs and interaction. I'm not just talking about money here. I'm, you know, everybody thinks automatically, well, how are you going to get by without any federal funding? Well, <laughs> the Seneca's got to keep $2 billion that the state took from them. They wouldn't, uh, wouldn't need any funding from, from any place else. And I'm not saying everybody has the same opportunity that the Seneca's have had. But I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about not using their court systems, not using their child protection systems, not, trying, not using any of their, their systems that are supposed to be for resolutions because they don't. They don't work. They aren't ours. And they're based on the very laws that were used to, to subjugate us. So I'm saying, and this isn't just from a Native perspective, the more and more people who can learn to live their lives. I once heard, heard of a story on NPR about Troy, New York. I don't even know if it's true. But it said that this, this little municipality near Albany, New York, is, is fairly apolitical. They don't get caught up in the national politics or even the state politics. And the little town, it, it used to be a terrible place when I was a kid growing up. I knew, I knew the area. But they said that they've done pretty, pretty good for themselves. I don't know if it's true. But the whole idea that there are that there are townships, there are communities, there are counties perhaps, or you know, towns, cities, villages, that can function as communities with the support of their people and be very internal about how they resolve problems, including conflicts, including crime. You, you, you know, reducing crime because of the level of care that you show for each other. Instead of thinking you just have to have, you know, you gotta have gun control, you gotta have, you know, FBI in here, you gotta have, you know, all of these other people, and we got to call the National Guard in here to protect us. No, no. I think the whole idea of trying to solve violence with violence is, is, is a mistake. And look, I'm all for defending ourselves as a Native person. But I'm not looking for conflict with anybody. And at some point, we better figure out how we, how we resolve some of this social breakdown. I mean, for all the things, you know, and, and climate change is, is a tough one, but the social breakdown, I mean, these mass shootings, these uh, you know, white supremacists shooting up, you know, Buffalo or a school or whatever else, we've got to address that. And I don't mean address the individual. I mean, address the mindset that allows that stuff to be created. I think we got to look out for each other. You know, how do you, how do you stop somebody coming from driving you know, three hours to come shoot up, uh, shoot up a community. Well, I don't know. But I got to tell you, I can't blame a black community who doesn't look at every white person that walks into their community a little cross-eyed. I would too, after what happened in Buffalo in May. And as Native people, we've become more and more open society. We've invited people in because 
because we become a bit, a bit of a retail economy on our territory. We don't have much of an economy, don't get me wrong here, or, or don't misunderstand me, I should say. But we, we sell cigarettes, we sell gas, we have convenience stores. And now we've got uh, cannabis dispensaries all, all over our territories here. So we've got a lot of people coming onto our territory. That's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, I, I realize we're limited as, as to what we could do to develop economies. I mean, we're, I mean all Native peoples aren't, aren't um, millionaires because of casinos, in spite of what, you, what you've heard. You have to understand, the one thing about gaming on Native territories, it's the sole source of public finance for most of these Native territories. That's the way it is for Seneca Nation. And when you got the state of New York squeezing you for almost 50% of the revenue that you can even generate, I mean, you're literally feeding the very people who have been oppressing you for, you know, for hundreds of years. That's, that's the stuff that, that I want to separate from. I want to do as little as, we, as possible with, with New York State. I want to interact as little as possible with the federal government. To the extent that I think we need to talk to them, I have no problem interacting in that way from a, from a diplomacy standpoint. But I don't want to go there with my hand out. And I certainly don't need them pointing their guns at us. Look, again, I want to thank those of you who, who checked out my show on Monday. Um, all these programs, all of these resistance radio uh, programs do get posted up as podcasts. Um, they are archived both at WBAI and at WPFW. So you can catch the program anytime you want. Um, you can ask for it by name uh, as, a, as a podcast. Um, but, but I am. I, I am very grateful to, to WPFW and, and WBAI for giving me space. Uh, and I want to, I, I, I know that I'm probably not the greatest fundraiser for, for either station. Uh, not for lack of trying and not for um, not because I don't want to be, but um, I, I suspect the folks who listen to this program are not uh, necessarily the ones who, who, you know, are, you know, we're not jazz, we're justice. And what I'm saying is if you want to, if you want justice, sometimes it ain't free. And so while this radio station and this program do come to you without a surcharge or a, uh, a required subscription, we do need your support. So again, let me ask that you go to, um, go to the pledge line, go to 202-588-9739. We are in our fall fund drive here at WPFW Jazz and Justice Radio. You can go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Uh, one of the other things we have is put your money where your ears are. And I've taken that to another level. I say put your money where your heart is. Because if you're listening to the station, whether it's for music or whether it's for, whether it's for jazz or justice, we are appealing to your heart through your ears, but we're appealing to your heart. So put your, put your money where your ears are. And ensure that this station stays on the air for the next seven generations. You do that by making a contribution and going to the pledge line, 202 588-9739 or going online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. I greatly appreciate any support you can give to the station and I kind of greatly appreciate it if you, uh, if you mention this, this program uh, as you do. It is important 
it's an important station. The work that we do both for jazz and justice are, are important as well. So I thank you for listening and I'll thank you in advance for uh, contributing to the station. I am John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Yahweh.